This is Pathways to Resilience, the podcast where real people share real stories, helping us build our playbook toward resilience. And now here's the host of the show, Melissa Santos. Thanks for joining us. So happy to have you back. Today on Pathways to Resilience, I have meditation coach and owner of the Zen Room in Gilroy, California, Dawn Culp. And we are going to be talking about connecting and recognizing um, our intuition. Uh, So thanks for being here. Uh, Always glad to be with you. Um, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. I have had many wonderful experiences at the Zen Room of connecting into my intuition that have been life-changing for me. So I look forward to our conversation today. Um, so let's start with telling us a little bit about yourself and um, some of what made you switch from corporate leader to meditation mm-hmm. coach. Oh, I love this conversation. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a Sagittarius. I like long, long walks on the beach. <laughs> um, no. I turned 50 this year and I am so excited about it. In fact, I'm already planning the big celebration um, because I feel right now I am more in touch with my true, true self than I ever have been before. And so that is very, very exciting to me. Um, I spent a good deal of my time in corporate America. Um, We'll leave the names out of the conversation, but I loved both experiences and taught me a lot. Uh, They're both Fortune 500, looked great on the resume. Like I said, taught me a lot. Um, But long about, I guess it was about 37 or 38, uh, so about 12, 13 years ago, something inside of me knew I needed to answer the calling. You know, Mm. Joseph Campbell talks about the calling. Uh, When the phones ring, pick them up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ignored it for a long, long time. The phone was ringing and I was ignoring it for a long, long time because Oh, it looked so good on my resume. And gosh, if I stayed at the company for one or two more years, that would look even better on my resume. And oh, they're paying me so well. And oh, the stock options are so good. And oh, the benefits. And I could list all the reasons why staying would be the smart thing to do. Um, but something inside of me knew that I needed to go. Knew, mm. knew that I needed to, there was a calling that was happening and I needed to pick up the phone. And it was super, super scary, but I just, I I knew that it was the right thing to do. Um, So my husband at one point asked me a really good question. He said, how do you know what your intuition talking? How do you know what your intuition telling you to take this step and not your ego or not your, you're not, you know, what is it? How do you know? And I said, that is the million dollar question. Mm. And once I learned how to do it for myself, I've been teaching it ever since, because I feel like we all have um, these different parts of us that are at tug of war with each other all the time. And so I did this really in-depth meditation one day. So, and I asked just that, how do I know it's really, truly my intuition talking? And then all of a sudden, I put myself on my meditation beach. You know, I, I started meditating pretty regularly. I got pretty darn good at it. And then I realized, oh, I have an inner child. My mm. inner child has lots to say. Or, oh, I have this inner critic that has all of these very critical things to say. Or, oh, I've got this ego. And what I started realizing was I have this whole cast of characters 
that are weighing in. Um, and I know that I know that everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. All you have to do is imagine yourself in a changing room, mm. trying on clothes, and you will go, oh, yeah, my inner critic is the one talking. Yeah. They right. show up really well there. Yeah. And that lighting with those mirrors. Yeah. And that lighting yeah. with those mirrors, that yeah. inner critic has plenty to say. So um, we all know what the inner critic sounds like. You're not young enough. You're not thin enough. You're not rich enough. You're not smart enough. It's all of those things. And then we all have these inner children. Um, and based on our inner child experience, our inner child is going to be different based on, you know, it's going to be very different person to person. Ego. Ego cares about appearances. Ego wants to be right. Ego will fight to the nail to say I'm right, mm. even if it means making us sick. So I'm, as I was meditating, I was learning about these different parts of me. And then I realized that I had this, this beautiful part of me. Some people call it, maybe some people call it the God self. Maybe some people call it your higher self or your wise mind, or I just like to call it intuition. It's that thing where when something just feels right, you get all the thrills, the chill bumps, all that. When something is really, really wrong, um, you get that pit in your stomach and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, this doesn't mm -hmm. feel good. So, but what I learned is when we've got a decision that we need to make, that is, we can hear the different parts. We can hear the different thoughts. We can literally feel the tug of war going on inside of us. Well, people say, well, a part of me wants to do it, but a part of me is afraid. Yep. And I go, ah, 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 what part is afraid and what part wants to go forward? We need to figure out who inside, which one of those cast of characters is chiming in. Yeah. Who are we so, listening to? Yeah. Yeah. Who are we listening to? And people say, well, do, does everyone have an intuition? And absolutely. One million percent. Again, this isn't a conversation about religion or spirituality. This is this is a connection with something bigger than us. Whatever that means to you, mm -hmm. call it that. Mm -hmm. um, but we all have it. So, but most of us calm it down, shush it, make it be quiet because the ego is really loud in some of us, or the inner critic is really loud, and so we are the only ones that can take the microphone out of the ego's hand and give it to intuition and mm. really recognize that our intuition has a lot to say and always cares about our best and highest good. So is it, oh, it's so powerful. And isn't it, when I think about the ways in which we, sh we show ourselves to one another in the world right now, so much of that is in a boardroom or on social media. Um, mm -hmm. and that is our ego tends to show up there first. Yeah. Do we ask well, one another's ego? ego? Really Oh gosh. Well, and I'll tell you, ego is, um, ego is a tricky one. Um, ego doesn't care about what our heart wants. Ego cares about, uh, shaking ahead, even if it means stepping on toes. Um, it was really, really interesting. So after I, after I started getting, um, getting one foot out the corporate America door and into the Zen room, um, of course I had this my one of my old vice presidents at, at my company call me and say, Hey, we've got this opportunity. Mm. Are you interested? And I'm like, went home and I told my husband, I said, I kind of am. I mm. kind of am interested, right? I mean, it was a really good opportunity. They offered me even more money than I was making before. And 
And he says, you need to go and meditate on this because I think you're listening to your ego. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went on to my beach and I called out my inner child. I called out my inner critic, my ego and my intuition. And I, I, this is what I ask all of my meditators to do all the time. Ask the question and then ask them to raise their hand if they agree. So for instance, my question was, should I take this job? Mm. Raise your hand if you think I should take this job. And all three of them raised their hand, the inner child, the inner critic, and the ego, all raised their hand. And I said, inner child, why did you raise your hand? And she says, because we're tired of people making fun of us for Mm. making this big move. Mm. And then I said, inner critic, why did you raise your hand? And my inner critic says, because you're never going to make any money being a meditation coach. And then I said, all right, ego, why did you raise your hand? And ego said, because this job will look fantastic on our resume. And I said, okay, I've had all three of those thoughts. And then I turned to intuition and I asked intuition, intuition, why didn't you raise your hand? Why don't you want me to take this job? And my intuition very, very clearly said, or I felt it. I felt that the answer was because we're done. We are done getting paid for a job that we hate. Mm. Doesn't matter how much money. And I said, okay. So I basically denied the job and I took the other foot and put it, you know, because I had one foot in the Zen room and one foot in corporate America. I went full board into corporate, into the Zen room and I never looked back. And then I swear to you after that, I got busier than I ever imagined possible. Yeah. Was it scary? Of course I was so scared. Oh my gosh. I was so scared. I bet. (laughs) I bet. Yeah. Well, I, well, and just to clarify for people that may be listening, saying, what is she talking about? This child's talking to her. It's, it's what you're feeling, what you're, when you quieted your mind in that meditation state and you go, okay, because it's, they're all the voices that are swirling throughout our heads all the Mm -hmm. time anyway. All They're the, the things yes, that indeed. make us afraid. And sometimes it's just so subconscious. We're not paying attention yep. to it because we're going too quickly. Um, so it yep. shows up as a pit in our stomach or um, as mm-hmm. not showing up for the interview or not answering the phone, the kinds of things that you were saying right. is kind of what shows up. And when we quiet our mind and think about it and think about these different roles within ourselves that we're really yep. able to, to leave space for the message that's already there to just kind of present itself to us. Yeah. Well, that's why we call it recognizing intuition because it's basically taking the lampshade off so that the light can shine brightly. Uh Um, Meditation is practiced in Eastern cultures, um, religiously daily over here. We're starting to catch on in the Western world. We're starting to catch on. I remember when I first started 13 years ago, people were like, meditate. Now it's everywhere. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's not such a woo woo world word anymore, but basically the, the act of meditating is to get rid of all the distractions, get rid of all the, you know, the noise of the world so that you can really tune in to the signal. It's, it's all of life is a noise to signal ratio. And when you've got a million things on your mind and a lot of activity going on in the house and 4 million things on your to-do list, 
you are not in a still place where you can hear those very subtle messages. So you have to carve out the time to do it. Um, uh, most people get frustrated at first because it's very foreign to most everybody to just sit quietly with your thoughts. They don't even know what to do. Right. So in those instances, I would say try maybe an app or maybe, you know, we teach, we have group classes um, where we meditate in a group and, I do guided meditation to help the newbies along. Uh, but the idea is, is to, is to eliminate the distractions, um, quiet the mind. So it's not the monkey mind mm -hmm. and that will take time to get good at it. And then you will. And then all of a sudden you will realize, Oh my gosh, I have so much inside of me that I've been poo-pooing or ignoring or just shoving aside. And you just, to take a minute to focus it out. It's all there. It's all there. It's all. And sometimes yeah. I know when I've really done well in a meditation, when I come out, just start to come out and go, Oh, I couldn't have told you where my toes were or my nose was. Um, I know I completely disconnected to kind of what is, or the, you know, and just allowing, just the allowing that quiet. It's so powerful. And, you know, mm -hmm. you talk about all this that's going on in our world and our lives. And there, I mean, there is so much. And I, when we talked last, mm -hmm. there's so many things when I was like, Ooh, I'm going to have Dawn on, what do I want to talk about? But in our pre-meeting, we <laughs> talked about this, um, this theme that seems to be coming up a lot in your work of people confusing pleasure with pleasure, with happiness and happiness with joy. And Correct. I feel like that's a lot pleasure, especially you're going to talk about it, but what we're, yeah. what we're filling this with, instead of stopping and listening, we're filling ourselves up with more as a distraction. So tell us about yeah. that whole thing about pleasure and happiness and joy. I was really, I, I you it. know, it was, it came to me in meditation as most everything comes to me in meditation. Um, this idea that there are three different sandboxes. If you just imagine three sandboxes in a playground and one of the uh, sandboxes is pleasure. So when you think of pleasure, think of, of satisfying the senses. That's going to be your taste buds. That's going to be your, um, your smells, your sounds, your it's sensual. So mm -hmm. pleasure for some people is a big slice of chocolate cake. Pleasure for some people is a glass of wine or a beer or a margarita. That's your taste buds, which helps change the way you feel. For some people, pleasure is going to be um, more on the romantic, sensual side. Mm -hmm. You know, just think pleasure cruise or pleasure party, and you're going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but pleasure is basically, <laughs> pleasure is, is um, it's all about the senses, okay? So when you think about pleasure, and I'm, I'm a fan of pleasure. I love pleasure. I'm a human being, and I enjoy, I enjoy the feeling of my toes in the sand and I enjoy uh the taste of a really great cupcake okay mm -hmm. so I am not poo-pooing any of the sandboxes um but what we need to make sure of is that we are aware that when we are in the pleasure sandbox we are getting pleasure out of it not happiness or joy mm. so but let's take that let's now let's look at the second sandbox which is happy Happy is going to be um, all of the things in the outside world that give us a charge. That could be um, anticipating going on a vacation. That could be uh, having the great news of getting a promotion. That could be um, getting a new job or 
whatever, right? So that's going to be the outside world is behaving in a way that is satisfactory to me. And I am responding with elation or excitement or all of these good feelings. Happiness is the world out there is making me feel a way that I prefer to feel. Mm. Okay. Um, then you've got joy. That's the third sandbox. Joy is, I don't care if I have cake or not. I don't care if I have a glass of wine or not. I don't care if the world is cooperating with my preferences or not. I feel joyful. Mm. I feel good just because I'm alive. I feel good just because I'm healthy and I can appreciate the beautiful smell of jasmine. It's amazing. Like you just, you're, you're just happy just being, not because the world has given you something, not because you won the lotto, not because of anything out there, not because of another person. You're just joyful all by yourself and you feel amazing. And that is the sandbox to be. Mm-hmm. That is a great sandbox to live in. What happens is a lot of people don't know that they're separate sandboxes. Right. And maybe they have had moments in their life where they have felt the joy. Most everybody's felt the joy. Maybe it's not as long lasting as they want it to be, but I think everybody listening has felt just that joy inside at some point in their life. But what happens is there's a lot of people who will spend many, many moments in the pleasure sandbox, bringing many pleasurable moments pleasure moments together hoping it will take them to the joy sandbox and it can't it's two separate sandboxes so they'll say oh well i'm gonna go on this vacation and then i'm gonna you know go on this date and then i'm gonna do this thing and it's pleasure 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 and they're hoping that because they did something pleasurable on monday and then something else pleasurable on tuesday and then string it along with another pleasurable moment on wednesday you've got your whole week all filled with pleasurable pleasurable things that are all strung along hoping that it's going to get you to joy, but it will never get you there. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's two separate sandboxes or I'll be happy when I have the next kid or, Oh, I'll be happy when I get married or, Oh, I'll be happy when I get the promotion. That's trying to string many moments in the happiness sandbox, hoping it's going to get you joy. But I have, I work with a lot of business people, a lot of executives who they'll confront, they'll, they'll, they'll confirm to me what I already feel is true, which is they made it to the tippity tippity top of the ladder and realized I'm still unhappy, mm-hmm. still unhappy. So it's because they were trying to take all these moments of happiness and piece them together, hoping that it would get them to joy and it can't. So most people at this point ask, how do you find your yes, joy? Yes, right? yes, <laughs> yes. Well, and how do you, because um, it made me curious about which of our inner personas or, you know, inner voices play in which sandbox? Uh, it depends and it will be different for everybody. So for me personally, I, I love going to Disneyland and skipping down Main Street. And, you know, my inner child is a happy little girl there. And it reminds me of my dad, like all these fun things. Um, But that's not where my joy is. Uh That's just, you know, the churro is my pleasure. Uh (laughs) Popcorn Uh is my pleasure. Uh And, you know, when the weather cooperates and it's all fun and good, you have a great time. And that's the happiest place on earth, right? Um, 
but but what's interesting is you can you can test it because if all of the conditions at Disneyland start to go south, where all the children are screaming and it's 105 degrees and it's so humid, all of a sudden it is not the happiest place on earth. You're <laughs> like, I'm having a miserable time. Yep. So how is it that the happiest place on earth can become the miserable? Well, it's because again, all the conditions have to be met in order to align with your preferences so that you can say, yes, I had a happy experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dangerous place to be um, because the world very rarely cooperates right. with what we want it to right. do. Right. Which is, I imagine why we can often end up so much in, in disappointment um, mm-hmm. and heartbreak, right? Is because the conditions are not such that we're able to maintain yes. staying in the happiness or the pleasure sandbox. Those things. Yep run out, especially if we're depending on, because we're, because we're, we're dependent upon things outside of ourselves. And so you talked about intuition. How does our intuition help get us to joy? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's literally our theory, right? So in order to go from where we are to where we want to be, we need two coordinates, right? If, If I'm going to the ballpark, I need to know where I'm starting and my, the address of my destination. Um, and then Siri will tell me, okay, go left here, go right here, go straight for 10 miles. And it's going to take us right there. Most people know where they are. I hate my life is usually what it sounds something uh-huh. like, or Ugh, I'm just not happy, but most people don't know where they're going. They don't have that second coordinate. So one of the things that I'm always advising people to do is go into a meditation and ask your intuition to show you the next breadcrumb. Now, a lot of times we like to have the, what do they say? Sometimes you don't get to see the whole staircase. You only get to see the next step. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, So going into a meditation and ask, calling your intuition to sit with you on your beach. That's well, first of all, that's a big, big thing to do. Um, some people, it takes a meditation or two to be able to see your intuition. Some people, for some people, their intuition is a color or a symbol or an animal. Um, so that's the first step, but then having a conversation Remind me of what I used to love when I was a child. Did I used to love to paint? Did I used to love music when I was six? Did I want to grow up and be, what did I want to grow up and be before someone told me I couldn't? Um, Start remembering who you are at your core. It is usually right about that time that the ego chimes in and says something like, you can never make any money doing that. Or, well, someone so so and so is already doing that, and so you can't because that's good. it's like the chair's been sat in. Somebody yeah. already took the spot, which is ridiculous. I'm like, Burger King didn't say that when McDonald's was around. Like, right, they the- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, oh, we can't make hamburgers. McDonald's is already making hamburgers. But trust me, there's plenty of people to buy everyone's hamburgers. Right. So, if if you can sit with your intuition long enough to start to get an inkling of what your heart's desire is. I know that sounds very, um, you know, when you wish upon a star-ish. However, when you find yourself more in the lane that you were born to live in, if, you know, I always say, can you imagine somebody really important to you that you think is, is A-class? And just deciding, no, I don't want to do that. 
I'm going to go do this instead. The world would have missed out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think of, think of some of these uh, poor surprise scientists who have discovered some of the most amazing discoveries or, um, you know, I mean, there's always going to be controversy no matter what topic I bring, but you know, the person who, who made penicillin, oh my gosh, I'm glad right. he or she didn't decide to, yep. you know. But we just, talked last time, you said, what if Oprah didn't become Oprah, right? Like love her or what hate if her. Oprah like, didn't become, yeah, yeah, love her or yeah. hate her. I love her. She yeah. changed the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yep. what if, what if she said, no, I, that, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to answer that, the call that, that the universe or God is asking me to pick up the phone you know, the people who love Oprah would, wouldn't, would have missed out on, mm-hmm. on that. You would have missed out, Melissa, because I, w- I know I you love Oprah. I would have missed out on that. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or musicians or whatever. Or these anything. Yes. People. Anything. Yes. So I think if, if we can allow ourselves to say, hey, I'm not going to look at all the work that I've done thus far and call it a waste of time, because that is absolutely not true. You've gained skills, you've met people, you've made connections. I am so grateful for all the things that I learned when I was at Corporate America. They taught me so much about business, about who I am, gave me confidence, all of those things. But if there's a phone that's ringing that you have been ignoring, or for whatever reason, not picking up, I highly recommend that you start walking in that direction. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job because I know we've got mortgages and we've got responsibilities. For me, when I was doing this transition, I did both jobs for three or four years before I quit full corporate America and just went full board. So um, for some people, it's going to be a transition, but I, it is my sincere belief that you are not going to live in the middle of your joy sandbox if you hate your job and you hate your life. Mm-hmm. It can't be done. And even if it's not that you're, that you're leaving, maybe where you are in your work or your world is where you're meant to be, but you're not allowing your true self to show up there that you're That's right, true. right. That you're just, you're, you are, it's, it's the next pay raise or it's the, whatever is going to feel good, right. To, for that happiness right. or pleasure box, but because you're just not showing up as your authentic self, you're just not allowing your authentic self to come to the table. And then you're missing out on finding the joy at that, in that it could be work or in that relationship or whatever. Um, and so are those around you. We, one of our guests, um, talked about, um, sort of, she talked about it from more of a self-care and taking care of yourself piece, but she talked about meditation and that when we don't show up authentically as ourselves, that we're dimming, you said it, dimming our lantern and that the world deserves our lantern. Um, yes. to shine brightly, not just for ourselves, but for one another. Well, I also think too, it's, it's important to realize, um, universe is, is if you break it down into uni, meaning one and verse, meaning song, the idea is to do something that doesn't just bring your heart joy, but to do something that is going to contribute to the orchestra. Mm-hmm. that the world needs, mm-hmm. right? So, it, you know, if, if person A is playing the trombone and person B is playing the drums and person C is playing, I don't know, the clarinet, and if they are in harmony and they're all loving the music that they are producing individually, the song is going to sound incredible. But if the saxophone player can't stand the saxophone and never really cared about learning the timing just because he could care less, or the singer 
whatever. Like you can just see that if you hate the instrument you're playing, how could you possibly make really good music? Yeah. So, so. how do I find, how do I get into that sandbox more? Is it just meditation? No. Well, in a perfect world, meditation is going to become more and more a part of our everyday lives. But there's some practical things that I really, truly believe in. Um, So one of the things that our society has a habit of doing, and this is where the, I can see the, um, the, the tomatoes being thrown at me because they're not going to like to hear what I'm about to say, but that's okay (laughs) because, because I'm planting a seed and one day those who are ready to hear it will hear it and remember it. And the ones who are ready to grab it right now will, we have a, we have a consumption Mm-hmm. problem in our country in our country which is for a lot of people they get massive amounts of pleasure shopping mm-hmm. consuming um consuming food consuming alcohol consuming drugs unfortunately um consuming um boyfriends and girlfriends partners right like it's just mm-hmm. like it's just this pleasure 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 and it's this rotating circle. And I feel like one of the first things, everybody who feels like maybe they are playing in the pleasure sandbox a little bit too long or too much is first of all, be aware, mm-hmm. be aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's very important to say, man, I have been, I have been hanging out in the pleasure sandbox for years and my body's starting to ache. My, my immune system is shot. I can't continue to do this. I need to make a change. So first of all, awareness is huge. Second of all, what I would say is when you can start to turn your ship in the direction of what brings you more joy, if you love to paint and you're not painting at all, make two hours a day. You are painting two hours that nobody can take away from you. You are going to look forward to that so much. If you love to golf and you haven't golfed in a year, make Sundays your golf days, like whatever it is that you have to do to bring some real true passion back into your life. That's a great place to start. And no one is going to carve out the time, but you, no one can carve out the time, but you, right. So, um, I talk with a lot of gentlemen and they're like, gosh, I just, I miss card night or, oh, I just miss, well, that would be more joy and I'm uh, sorry, that would be more happiness because you're interacting with a lot of other people. But if you were born to play the piano and you haven't touched a piano in four years, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. find a way of playing the piano again, because the more things that you can do that you are passionate about. The more things that you can do that feed your soul, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's like there's space in between the notes. It's like there's a breath. Like all of a sudden, life feels fun again. Mm -hmm. You feel lighthearted again. I really want that for more people. There's, There's this notion in our society that all, you know, we just need to grind, grind it out, grind, grind, you know, grind. What did I hear somebody say? Grind and shine. And I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) grind, grind. You know, what happens when you grind your gears? What happens when you, you know, grind your teeth, usually bad things. Yeah. So, and I, I get the, I get that our society loves that push, 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 go, 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 man. It's not sustainable. We've got to make space for things that just, 
lighten us up, maybe it's and a matter. Is that, you know, you yeah. started telling us that you're turning 50 and it, are, yeah. is it, and you're so excited. Is it, are you feeling that you're, you're in your joy sandbox more than ever? Before? One million percent. Yeah. More than ever before. And it is a bit, I will tell you, and I am pretty, I'm a pretty transparent person. Anybody that knew me in my twenties, I was pleasure morning, noon and night. Um, and I didn't think there was anything wrong. Like I had my Friday night, you, you put on your Wranglers, you head to the saddle rack, you know, you had mm-hmm. your Friday night thing, you had your Saturday night thing, you had your Sunday night thing. And then you'd have your dates on Monday and then maybe another date on Tuesday. It was just, you know, tequila, cake, dates, like all of yep. it. And, but what I noticed was I was just getting more and more miserable and more and more sick. Mm. And I was getting sick all the time. I had to go to the doctor. He says, your liver's out of control. You need to stop. So um, for me, I know what it feels like to be in the pleasure sandbox. It feels like I can't wait for the next fun thing to land in my lap. So I don't have to sit here and feel how lonely I am. Yep. That's what I was. Yeah. Yeah. Distraction, 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 distraction. But I kept thinking, well, you know, if I have enough fun things to do and I pack my week full of fun things, um, then I'll, I won't have a chance to feel how miserable I am. And I was confusing that with joy and it was absolutely not. So then I traded that in for the happiness sandbox, got on the corporate ladder thing, just was pushing to go up the ladder, go up the ladder, go up the ladder, got pretty high on the ladder. And then I realized the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. (laughs) I'm like, Oh man, I got to climb down this ladder. (laughs) And that's when I had to have my come to come to Jesus, come to whatever, come to Allah, come to, come to the universe. Come to your intuition. Come to my intuition. Exactly. And I had to say, I'm going, I'm going to make the most radical move of my life because all this meditation is starting to help me. I have to teach others because other people are, are playing in the pleasure sandbox, just like I used to. And I've got the roadmap. I need to share the roadmap with them. Well, and what a gift. Talk about sharing your gift with the world. And I'll tell you, when I first was in some of your intuition guided meditations and you were telling me to, I, I was meeting my intuition. I, I was like, oh, what on earth are we talking about here? And I, I, I can, I can get woo woo, you know, I can get woo. Yeah. And, and then, and then there she was. And, mm-hmm. um, so there's, a, I have a very clear picture of who my into how I envision my, my intuition. And there was, um, there was a time when I wasn't sure I was going to get the house I'm living in. And mm-hmm. I was really not sure, but I wanted it. And it was on my vision. It was on all those things. And my intuition handed me a rolled piece of paper in meditation in a session with you. And it was the deed to the house. And so I just knew, ah. it was gonna ha- uh-huh. um, yeah. and it was, you know, it took another six months or so, but, um, where I'm sitting right now. So I, you know, it's, it's that there's lots of different ways to get there for some people, you know, but just quieting the mind, allowing and going with everybody thought I was crazy. Oh, just let it go and move on to this other thing. Oh, come on. That's just going to be too, too difficult to do. And we're, we've all had those situations where there's just some, some kind, we have a drive within ourselves and that drive, if it's really at the core of who we are, it's our intuition saying, dude, yeah, come over here. This is going to be so yeah. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so you bring up a really good point. Um, 
we have we have this very loud some people call it a program some people call it you know society pressure whatever whatever uh we are not short of opinions in this country no 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 well you know well you know what you should do (laughs) yeah well you know what you should do well you know what you should do and i'm like oh my gosh right one thing i think we could all stand to learn and i have to remind myself of this too is when i hear myself say you know what you should do stop yeah you don't have to like the teacups I don't like the teacups, but just because I don't like the teacups doesn't mean that they shouldn't experience it. Yep. So, you know what I should do? I should, you know, support you through your journey. And if you ask me, if you do ask me my opinion, I'll give you my experience, but I don't know what you should do. I don't, I'm not listening to your inner guidance system. I'm not listening to your, your phone, whether it's ringing or not. That's actually, how could I possibly? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I've gotten pretty good over the years at, you know, people, there were a lot of people saying, you're going to open up a meditation place in the middle of Gilroy. You're not going to make any money. And no I just got here come. and I said, yeah, yeah no one's going to come. Yeah. You know, this was a long time ago before into, before meditation was popular. Yep. And I just, I just, I had to trust my intuition at that point and say, yes, but you weren't in my meditation where my intuition said everything. That's right. And now, now just try to get into a private session with you. It's months and months and months away. Yeah. It's months and months and months. So cool. It's just so cool. It's so much. It's humbling. And it's, it's humbling to, to remember how scared I was. Like now I can trust when my intuition tells me something now I'm like, I don't question it at first. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to trust, but I don't know. Now I trust. Yeah. I've got enough evidence in my back pocket. I've got enough. I've got enough where, dang, that actually worked. Dang, this is actually amazing. Well, and isn't that something? Because when you're trusting your intuition, I mean, we're again, we're using these names for parts of ourselves. You're trusting yourself. We're not, so yes. many of us are seeking external approval, external voices. We need to call 13 friends and post something before we make a decision about it, rather than just asking ourselves and going with, going with what we know already know to be true. I just, I just had this like envision when you were talking about stopping ourselves from saying you should, you know, what you should do is if, you know, if social media had like no comments and just a heart button, you know, like love it or don't love it, leave it at that. Right. (laughs) Right? That's a great idea. Right. Right. Um, You know, you bring up a good point, Melissa, which is what if instead of thinking of it in terms of inner child, inner critic and ego and intuition, we think of it because your inner critic began a long time ago, probably fed by a particular person, Mm because it's not uncommon for people to be meditating and they're like, oh, my inner critic is my fourth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, my inner critic was my grandma who told me I'd never amount to anything. Their inner critic for many people first started with somebody out there right. telling them they couldn't. Right. The ego, same thing. The ego is the society's program. And then the inner child is just that aspect of us that maybe we haven't healed from everything from our inner child or our, our childhood days. So... If, if grandma's talking and society's talking and the scared little girl's talking, but our intuition is just really our true heart, our true essence, 
maybe that's a way that your listeners can hear it and say, okay, I don't have these different voices in my head, but they are different tapes that I'm running, Mm -hmm. dialogues that I'm having within myself. But I will promise you this. If you start meditating and really getting clear who is saying what, you will be blown away at who you have been a slave to mm-hmm. or, ca- oh, you, or catering to. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And it is oh. so much less work <laughs> to just let intuition <laughs> For sure. Lead the way. But most yeah. people, most people have never done it before. Yeah. And so it's going to take a little trust. So maybe start yeah. with small things and build yeah. trust over time. Mm-hmm. So Don, last question. Um, what is resilience? How would you describe resilience? Mm. A great question. I would describe resilience as the ability to bounce back without judgment. Mm. So uh, usually when we fall, and I'll use a literal fall, usually when we fall, our ego says, don't let anybody see that you fell. Shake it off. Your inner critic said, huh, told you, told you you were going to fall. Inner critic will, uh, inner child will say something like, oh, now I'm afraid to get back on the horse. So now I'm afraid to try again. So if you're, if, if you have a tendency to listen to one of those three more often than not, resilience is not going to be in your vocabulary very much Mm. where uh, because usually there's judgment or shame or one of those really low, low feelings. Resilience is basically why does falling have to be a thing at all? Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be good? Why does it have to be bad? It's you fell, get up and move forward. It's the ability to not have an emotional charge to falling. That would be my definition, not having a negative, a negatively emotionally charged response to falling. People yeah. like to talk about falling. I'd like to talk about getting up. I love that because it's, it's really just uh, sounds like allowing us just to be allowing it just mm-hmm. to be you fell. Okay. You this. Okay. Yeah. Without the mm-hmm. judgment. That's powerful. Well, and, and it's interesting too, because you can think about a literal fall. Oh my gosh, I can think about the last time I had a literal fall in a public forum for whatever I was running in the rain and my heel caught my wide leg slack. And I did the whole uh, greatest American hero. Like, uh-huh. It was a good one. Yeah. A puddle. It was a good one in front of a row of windows. And I started to laugh because I started thinking all of those people who just watched this, <laughs> they are getting a good belly laugh. And I just remember thinking, you know what? This one's on me, guys. I stood yeah. up, I took a bow, <laughs> they were clapping, right? Had that happened in my 20s, I would have been mortified. I would have run to my car. Had that happened in my 30s, I would, I don't know. But there was a, there, there came a point where I just, why does this have to be shameful? Why does this have to be embarrassing? Why does this have to be something that I'm going to label as a bad thing? Maybe it was exactly what I needed to do because I needed to slow my role so that I could rendezvous with the great next thing that was going to happen. I don't know. Why do I have to know every single thing? But I know I wasn't going to sit there and just pound myself with judgment or be embarrassed or let my ego or my pride just shrivel. Yeah. Like, well, I fell. That was fun. 
Yeah. I'm going to stand up. I'm soaking wet and I'm going to have a nice icebreaker for my interview. And I go inside to have this, you know, <laughs> interview while I'm soaking wet, but whatever. Yeah. So resilience to me is not having the negative weight, the negative charge all around the fall. Forget the fall. Celebrate or celebrate the standing up. To me, that's the resilience. Yeah. And when you can do it with a laugh, that's even better. Even more fun. And a bath. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> this has been really fun, Don. Can you tell people where to where can they find find you? I know you have projects yeah. going on. Um, there's lots of ways I for do. people to connect to you. I do. So uh, you can find me online at www.thezenroom.net, the zen, Z-E-N, room.net. Um, you'll find a list of my events. You'll find a list of my classes. I do a lot of group classes. You can reach out to me if you'd like a one-on-one. As Melissa said, I'm booking about five to six months in advance, but, you know, hang in there because cancellations do happen. But um, I've also got another gal who works with me who does beautiful energy work. So you're in good hands if you don't feel like waiting that long. But um, that is the best way to reach me. And the one thing that I would ask, my intention for doing this podcast was to to hopefully reach an individual who feels lost. Mm. There's a lot of those people right now that exist. Mm-hmm. They feel lost. They don't know which way to go. They don't know. They don't know which way. They, they just don't know what to do. And what I would say is if, if you're hearing this podcast and you're getting some kind of sensation or pull or it's resonating with you in some way, shape, or form, do something about it. Either email, call, don't be discouraged if you have to wait. I swear, I swear, I swear. If cancellations come up, you will get a phone call. We'll get you in sooner. But don't sit in the misery. That would be my request. Don't sit in the misery. Life is too short and it doesn't have to be this hard. There are ways to tap into your navigation system, your own Siri, and say, all right, I know that where I am, I don't want to be anymore. And I may not completely understand my destination. Maybe all I know is I want to be happy again. And if, if you can get there, that's enough of a destination for now. Yeah. And then we beautiful. can just teach you how to listen to your lefts and your rights and your go straights, and you will be amazed. So beautiful. there beautiful. we have it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And I will talk with you soon. Sounds wonderful. Thanks, everybody. Okay. So here's that part where I do some reflection. Um, So curious how uh, that conversation was for you. A little different uh, talking about um, those inner pieces of ourselves. Uh, but I, gosh, while different, I also was so, I am just struck by the, the chords and the themes that, um, have gone throughout so many of these episodes. Scott shoot talked about joy. His book, um, talks about meeting joy. Uh, and he, he talked about, uh, we're having a pretty miserable day, not in a great place, sitting down on a bench to take a break. And this bubbly person sitting next to him, uh, and her name is Joy. And uh, we've heard a lot about our light and the light that not only we give to ourselves and we give to the world. Um, so that's just fun. 
uh, and for me is sort of a, a signal that we're on the right track here. So I uh, hope you've been enjoying that as well. I think what Dawn, you know, just really, what, what can we take? What's an action step we can take? She just let us know. So um, if you don't have a meditation practice, can you pause? Can you find time to pause just to slow down? Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's just doodling in a chair for a bit, or maybe it's a guided meditation. Um, And tap into what brings you joy. And if you can't find joy right now, what brings, what used to bring you joy? What was the thing that made you just happy, made you feel like nothing else in the world mattered? Spending some time figuring out what that thing is and finding more time to be able to do it is going to help get you, get you there. Um, and when we're asking ourselves what that thing is, we are recognizing our intuition. So I wish that for you and uh, hope that you'll give you yourself the gift of recognizing to and tapping in and tuning in to um, to the authentic, true pieces of you um, and finding as many places as possible in your life and in your world to have them show up and shine. Take care and hope to have you listen in next time. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining Pathways to Resilience, an initiative of Community Solutions. Please visit us at www.communitysolutions.org. Thank you.